Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. All right. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Tim Montgomery. I'm your host for New Cyber Frontier on a new edition. Um, and we're here today with uh, James Fair. Sir, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Tim. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, honored and excited to be here. Yeah. So I know we were chatting just previous into conversations um and got an interesting background can you explain uh, a little bit for me give me a little background of yourself sure sure i appreciate the question uh so i've been in it for 35 years i've been here forever like since back in the dos days uh, i've watched it evolve but i've been part of that evolution too so and i started as an entry-level tech and worked my way up through every rank to it manager eventually to vp and then to senior vice president so I think I offer a different perspective in that I've seen all the iterations as, as computer technology grew and all the roles involved in supporting IT and cybersecurity. Uh, and I also went to school uh, and got a degree in that. So I've got, uh, I think, a bit more in-depth perspective across the spectrum than many people do. Yeah, that's me selling me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got a little dabble in everything I've seen, I feel like, every time I turn around. So, um, yeah, so... You know, in cybersecurity today, we just, the the concept behind some of these adaptiveness, uh, because the IT field is actually, you know, organic. So it, it, it fluxes with everyone's needs. And, uh, you know, in the industry, we're starting to trend towards cloud. We're starting to trend towards, I always call it someone else's computer. I'm sure you've heard that. Um, and it's really getting in, into a whole different vector of risk factors, things like that. So can you tell me, um, you know, What's your business doing cybersecurity in the industry today? Yeah, so um, really it's for us, it's about providing a level of cybersecurity for small, medium businesses uh, that typically are struggling to implement something like that, or it's being done by someone typically in a finance who's or wearing multiple hats, and it's just kind of overwhelming when they look at it and you know, trying to get compliant, trying to get, you know, what do we buy? What do we use? So we really want to come in and offer a uh, a suite of products and services that gets them at least moving down the right path. Maybe they're not 100% compliant or you know secure, not that anyone ever is 100%, but to get that needle moved quite a bit. So really we wanna come in and offer uh, a, a security posture for SMBs. Uh, where possible, we come in and we do a roadmap so it fits within their budget and it makes sense to them and we can roll it out uh, in a way that works. Um, and you know, making sure we meet compliances, preparing policies, uh, all that kind of fun stuff to, and then also doing uh, incident and disaster recovery. We want to make sure we're, we're prepared in the eventuality. I hope it never happens to anyone out there, but the odds unfortunately are pretty good this day and age. So we want to make sure people are prepared, not just from the perspective of, you know, how do we stop someone from getting in, but what do we do if someone, if and when someone does get in? Awesome. Yeah. You know, the disaster recovery thing, uh, I've worked for several other companies and I've been consulting on the side somewhat. It's hard to find uh, the third party that can come in and actually do recovery measures and support the disaster recovery processes. So, uh, you know, I, I commend you for that. The small business industry really, I believe, I mean, 
we do uh, small business uh, administration down in Colorado Springs area of Colorado. So I do a lot of, uh, I've got friends, their business is solely about cybersecurity with small businesses. Um, so I think there's a major support for it. There's also uh, a good clean uh, way of saying the market share. You know, there's there's a lot of things out there that possibly could pick up. And I know small businesses, a lot of times, they do not, they really don't think about this. So it's good to have that helping hand, uh, that ability to go in to um, to be able to kind of help them, assist them. And hopefully it does it, it, the cost, the effectiveness, those types of things for the cost from their businesses. So you, oftentimes you'll see them. And that leads to like small questions like um, the supply chain mechanism. I know in larger contracts, when I would work larger contracts with, uh, you know, Jacobs, um, and with uh, Northrop Grumman, with Lockheed Martin, they'd have smaller um, subcontracting uh, groups that are small businesses. Um, and I always sing out the idea of infrastructure. So when you buy an invoice for hardware or even licensing for software, um, that's where your supply chain, you know, the security value comes in to secure that part of it because that's usually where your biggest vector vulnerability is. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you've been the... stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, not quite in the large scale like you folks may do. Yeah. Um, we're really about you know helping people who you know know they need to get there, but may not have the the technical expertise, the staff, uh, sometimes the budget, and and don't know where to begin. Right? You know, like I said, it's probably some person who wears multiple hats in the organization. They typically don't have a full time IT person. So we also do um, kind of our bread and butter really is IT support. Uh, then we let we layer on cybersecurity support, cloud needs, uh, you know, incident disaster recovery, incident recover, uh, incident response, and disaster recovery, and really want to help folks, you know, survive what's going on out there in the world because, you know, sadly no one's really safe out there. Tar everyone's being targeted. No one's you know no one's safe from these ransomware attacks that are going on. Yeah, and yeah uh, supply chain's a big deal, right? We see that with uh, what was it, Toyota got hit, but it wasn't Toyota that got hit. It was one of their suppliers that got hit. So right. supply chain is crucial. Yeah, the target issue, how they got into target in the, yeah. Exactly. HVAC, right? That's Yep, HVAC right. system. Yep. yep. So. Their remote remote support unit was tied right into the main network. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, simple little thing like that. Got so much. So. Yep. Okay, yep. well, James, we're going to have to take a break here. So uh, okay. we'll right back after we hear from our sponsors. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Okay, welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. <laughs> That's true. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery. I'm here today with James Fair. Um, Looks like you're doing a lot of things with uh, small businesses, which uh, I, I think I can appreciate and value that. Um, my mother actually ran a company for a while. So uh, my backbone or back, background, backbone of, uh, of my existence, I guess, 
is kind of preserved in that because uh, of the way her entrepreneurship, uh, the way she actually um, managed her businesses and things of that nature. So I'm, I always particularly pay special attention to those out there that literally are trying to bring something up as a small business. I think that's kind of what they would refer to as American dream, right? So absolutely. Uh, yeah. So what, what do you think in, in, in regards to small businesses, I mean, what's the major concern? I know we're talking about cyber topics, but uh, anything particular stick out besides the supply chain mechanisms? I know we referred to that a little bit, but obviously supply chain, but uh, anything more specific, anything in particular? Uh, I would say that one of the things I see pretty frequently is that most small meeting businesses are like, well, that's not going to happen to us or we're not a target. Yeah. Um, you know, we're too small to be on someone's radar. And I, I wish that were true, but this day and age where there's just, these attackers are doing kind of spray tactics where they're just going after everyone. Um, I had the unpleasant pleasure of uh, getting on a, an attacker's dark website and looking at their ransomware stuff that was for sale. And it was hospitals, charities, small gas stations. It didn't matter. There is, there is no one that they are sparing from this attack. So yeah. the mentality that we're, we're too small to be a target is just unfortunately this day and age inaccurate. And in a lot of cases, if a small business gets hit, they can't afford to pay a ransom or to deal with the downtime. Like the average downtime was like 21 days from ransomware. Yeah, they so, would go under, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would go under, exactly. So we want to make sure we're doing our very best to help those folks in the event. And again, hope it never happens, but it's a pretty high likelihood this day and age that it will at some point, to some degree, we want to make sure that they can survive those and not just survive, but thrive and give them, you know, a lot of times companies will come in and say, okay, you need to buy these 37 products and services and it's overwhelming and it doesn't fit in their cost budget. So instead we want to come in and do, like I said, like a roadmap, something that makes sense. Let's add, let's add this this year and this next year and this year afterward. So at least we're moving the needle and we're getting there in the long run. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I've seen. There's other ones like uh, I don't need multi-factor authentication or you can turn it on for everybody else, but don't turn it on for me, says the CEO, right? They oftentimes see security and ease of use at kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes. And, and yeah, there's some truth to that. There's, there's no doubt. I'm going right. to, you know, that security requires some additional overhead, some additional time. Uh, but there are, what we, you know, low hanging fruit. There are little things that we can change that will move the needles into security measures a big amount with very little, uh, you know, kind of efficiency hits. So for instance, multi-factor authentication, that's a big one. These yeah, credentials yeah. get stolen every day. Uh, I, I had the, I used to trade cryptocurrency. I don't anymore because I like sleep better, but, uh, one day I woke up and yeah, I had this wall, <laughs> I had this wall of messages on my phone yeah. and it was like, do you approve this login? Do you approve this login? And it was my crypto account. Someone had gotten hold and I'm, you know, I'm tech. I'm been in this, doing this forever in cybersecurity. And yet my credentials got stolen. And the yeah. only thing that kept them out of my account was that multi-factor authentication. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't change my password, you know, immediately changed my email, but, uh, just a whole wall of them. And if they'd gotten in, all my crypto and that money would be gone. No doubt. So please, please turn on multi-factor authentication wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the other thing about, like if I lose my phone, so my phone has all the multi-factor authentication, everything's pointed at it. So it's something I think is a, something as a process that I think we're learning. Um, but multi-factor authentication is a big analysis. The zero trust concept, um, and the pillars behind it uh, for trust at every level, um, also something. And, and it is a tedious task to imply and maintain. However, and then I would say, you know, small businesses, 
they won't have and, and trying to figure out what kind of you know, how to tailor these things, what the tools are to actually be able to help these small businesses do such a thing to apply. Um, and I think it will impact um, as far as supply chain measures go uh, with the new Rev5 uh, 850 series out. Um, I definitely think that this is going to be because the executive order came out like two years ago, I think, uh, and they got a five year plan. They still, I don't, the government still hasn't managed to come up with the rule set. So we're, as we trend uh, in the jobs I've got, um, I see that we're, it's the planning phase. We're still, and it's a gradual phase, it's a maturity level phase. So I can only imagine with the way you handle uh, what you do with these small businesses is the same type of effort. Um, I also think that that's it's brilliant concept idea. Think about it because small businesses, they don't even probably know half the stuff when you're telling them the whole, you go in and look and you do analysis and say, these things you don't have, these things is what's hurting, these things need to be applied. You know, how do you triage that? You prioritize just like in all things in cybersecurity for risk evaluation. But they don't know, I'm guaranteeing you, they don't know when you're you're talking about it, you got to put it in depth. Sometimes you got to draw it out. Uh, not that they're not intelligent, it's just people don't focus that way and their mindsets are not orientated a lot of times to the technical values that bring when you start conversating about this stuff. So definitely, and you call that the, always call it the purple unicorn. So person who can translate <laughs> business into tech and tech into business, you know, there's like one person in the room, maybe that's able to do that. Everybody else is kind of like, oh, so. But, uh, yeah. And, you know, plus we want to work with stuff like it's Salt like we work with the chamber because we want to create regulations that if someone is, if an organization is putting security measures in place and they get hit, that that helps reduce the fine, right? They're proving that they've put measures in place. We want to create some some incentive for them to have that spend just in case that you know eventuality happens. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, <clears throat> I guess, let's see. Uh, one of the other questions I think I had was is self-help advice that you might give small businesses or anybody trying to start a business. What are some of the first steps you think cybersecurity wise, if I started a business at home and I was going to set up a front end server uh, application and that was going to be my interface or I went to a website and started, what kind of concerns cyber wise would you have an advice to give to those individuals that are just getting into something? Oh, that's a long list. Let me start with some easy ones. Uh, Multi-factor authentication. We mentioned that, right? Uh, yeah. Whether you're at home or at work, please, please turn on multi-factor authentication. All of your banking sites, your health sites, uh, and particularly your email, because most of our password resets um, end up in our email. So we want to make sure we're seriously protecting our email ad addresses. Uh, backups, I can't stress the importance of backups enough. Uh, we've had we've seen organizations have theft where someone came in and stole all their gear. Yeah. Uh, we have seen yes. you know fire, flood, uh, ransomware attacks, and you can recover from all of those given good backups. And again, this applies also at home. I've had the uncomfortable conversation with a family member to say, hey, I've got this ransomware note and I can't get to the, the pictures of my deceased father. And they were the only pictures we had, right? That is not a fun conversation anyone ever wants to have. So please have good backups both at home and at work. Um, pay for a good antivirus solution. Yeah, there are free ones out there, but this is one of those areas where you get what you pay for. And I really want to encourage everyone to turn on, to pay for a good antivirus solution. You know, the idea in security, as you know, is we want to do multiple layers across the board. It's not just one thing we hope we're good. We want to layer as many as possible on in case someone gets through one or more of those layers. Yeah. Um, this day and age, you have a password manager of some kind. 
Yeah, uh, I don't care what product you use, but go ahead, sorry, Tim. A password vault. Yeah, I have yeah, a, a password vault. Yeah, two hundred accounts. I can't keep them with all those passwords. Right, and you don't want to use the same password in all of them because if your password gets lost and everyone has access to all of your accounts, so right. yeah, you create separate passwords for all those places. Right, all two hundred. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, this day and age, I I call it a healthy level of paranoia. Um, I'm not asking you to be super paranoid, yeah. but I also don't be naive. Have a healthy level of paranoia. Realize that while we may put all these great uh, appliances and products and services in place to try to prevent the security from happening, the attackers know this and they're going after the users, the poor, busy human beings who are on, you know, it's six o'clock at night. They just want to go home. They're digging through their 200th email yeah. and they're not paying attention. So we want to protect those folks and we want to train them. And excuse me, one of the ways that we do that and we encourage organizations to do is let us come in and do a phishing campaign. So we're going to come in and, and act just like the attackers. We're going to send fake email messages from fake domains and try to get them to click on these on this email. And if they do, if they fall for it, then they take a short training. And you'll it's amazing the awareness this raises in the organization. Suddenly people are looking out for those emails because they know we're trying to get to them. And we'll see a big spike in email being sent to the IT group saying, hey, is this a legitimate email? Is this a legitimate email? And over time, that kind of tapers down. So you have to do it periodically. Yeah. But it's and people say, well, it's kind of like, you know, you're attacking us and like, well, it's better that we do it and you were aware of it than somebody else doing it. And you're not aware of it. The yeah. consequences from that are pretty high. Yeah. You'd rather you fall for the fakeness and, and and somebody come back and say, OK, after action report. Right. So exactly. Here's the thing yeah. that you need to know to look for instead of nobody. If, if there was if it was real, those people wouldn't care. They got what they needed from you. So. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's um, how many times a day um, a site can be attacked um, just repeatedly, thousands, hundreds of thousands of times in a day. And, yeah. um, you know, 10 million times trying to ping every IP address you got to see if you got any vulnerabilities just so we can run a script to, to do something. Uh, and I think, you know, small businesses, I'm sure when they go into their business, they're not thinking, we have a website. Yes, if you have a website, <laughs> uh, you know, you're vulnerable to a lot of this stuff. So then can't shut themselves off from the world. And it's a good resource to market, which to Amazon is number one uh, at uh, marketing values behind all kinds of things. I mean, you name it, any product out there, I'm sure you can get it from Amazon. I don't think I've ever not had an ability to go find it in Amazon versus somewhere else, right? Right. So I'm the next day on your doorstep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's just the world we're living in. So, of course, the interface to the internet is a must. And if you want to open small businesses, you've got to have you got to have that interface, that resource, right? So yeah, particular things like that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, have you ever, in your experience, have you ever found that um, at any point in time, small businesses is not really listening to advice? Um, I mean, what are some of the, what are some of the things you kind of run into that you, you would say that you've had to overcome? Um, I've had challenges with folks who, who want to take credit cards and yet they don't believe they need to be PCI compliant. I've run oh. into that a few times. Yeah, uh, I had one organization I worked with and they were taking credit cards. They only took like two or three a month. And for those that don't know, if you take credit cards, then they will send you a self-assessment questionnaire you need to fill out. Yeah. It used to be like 20 questions. Now it's like 400 questions. It keeps getting bigger. But the idea is you fill this thing out and it raises awareness to you of the areas you need to be more secure in. Mm -hmm. The organization I was working with, they, they said, hey, you're our new consultant. Will you come fill us out? I said, sure. And I said, okay, we're, we're not compliant in 17 places. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, we're, we're failing in 17 areas that we need to, we need to improve. 
Mm-hmm. They said, well, we always pass. I'm like, you always pass? What do you mean? And they said, well, we just figure out what answer they want and we choose that answer. And I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. The idea is not, this is not a quiz. This is to raise awareness where we need to do things. And if you're lying about it, so consider this, if you get breached or attacked, you're going to pay a fine no matter what. Yeah. And the, the severity of that fine is based on the information stolen and the amount of it. So a couple addresses, no big deal. Thousands of credit cards, you know, credit card numbers, that's a big deal and you'll pay a lot. However, everything that you've done to try to prevent it from happening will help reduce the fine in the eyes of the court. Yes. So, you know, we want to leverage that and make sure we're doing everything we can to try to prevent this from being an issue. Yeah, so it becomes very important, that cyber idea. It's, it's uh, obviously you pay up front for something the majority of the time. It's almost like paying your service agreement for uh, maintenance on your car. So at the very beginning, when you get the car, would you like to, the 10-year plan, the seven-year plan, what would you like to do there? Uh, either that or you can be paying this out of your pocket when we do have these services. So uh, exactly, insurance, right? You're mitigating risk, right? So uh, you're providing something, hopefully for the amount of money you spent, that when that one gotcha shows up, uh, it's going to be, um, okay, it was well worth doing that for all reasons, yep. right? Not only that- Speaking of insurance, cybersecurity insurance this day and age, right? Um, it's it's expensive. It's Sometimes they require a whole lot of changes in your environment to implement it. But most people can't afford to cough up half a million dollars or a hundred thousand or, you know, depending on, depending on the severity of the ransom, the size of the company, it could be several million dollars. So I do recommend cyber insurance this day and age for every organization, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that more when we come back from this break. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and today we're speaking with James Fair um, and helping small businesses maintain security postures. Um, And before the break, we were talking about um, the challenges of uh, really conducting business with credit cards um, and insurance, right? So insurance is something that I think we, you know, we compare it to. I think most people can understand when you go out and get that car or something. We were talking about how that policy that applies, if you can afford it, you should probably do it because the moment you've got one of those gotchas and it's not covered by warranty, you've got uh, a part that $4,000 in your car, yeah, and you're like, where am I going to come up with this money? Um, the ransomware, uh, things that happen during those processes, if you don't have such things in place to support, along with other means, like we talked about recovery, disaster recovery processes, we also can say that um, it's it's expensive. And I think people focus on that, but it's also the fact that we just lost information, data that we could not protect. Um, so there is no, in my opinion, there's no true value that you can place on such a thing. So it's invaluable. If you lose data, and uh, you referred to in uh, previous conversations about uh, talking, speaking to individuals who lost pictures of family members, you know, you can't no longer get that back. So data recovery processes then 
but insurance, the focus of insurance is really to help stay preventative uh, at lower measured costs. So you do have to evaluate risk when it comes to that. But mitigation is is usually a, a lengthy process, continuous monitoring processes, uh, so we can adapt. And uh, you know, your business is not going to stay in one box. It, you know, we know most businesses they'll grow, right, in avenues. So, and um, then we talked about um, you know just cybersecurity in general and the posture behind most cybersecurity for small businesses to support those businesses. Do you think that? Um, I mean, in today's age, what what do you think, like the forecasted next 10 years, is there any big problem coming our way that you think in our industry of cybersecurity when it pertains to small business that we probably need to be focused on more? Uh, I suspect we're going to see more behavior-based models of security. I'm sure you've seen this where rather than the reactive antivirus approach where someone gets infected and then we all get the signature so we don't get infected as well, mm -hmm. we want to do a behavioral-based thing. Uh, this day, I've seen some behavioral-based anti-ransomware where it looks for processes that encrypt files. So it's not necessarily looking for signatures, it's looking for activities and preventing those. And I think we're gonna see more of that in like change management software. You know, if someone logs in at 2 a.m., they don't normally log in at 2 a.m., that's a red flag. Uh, if a user is suddenly bumped up to an administrative level access, that's a red flag, right? They're not normally. Yeah. So I think we're gonna see some of that. I, I'm hoping we're gonna see more uh, passwordless coming down the road. Definitely the zero trust. That's going to be a, a no-brainer coming down the pipe for sure. Um, and unfortunately, I just don't see us getting any better with ransomware anytime soon. The industry, the bad guy industry just keeps growing because they're making a ton of money at it. And we're seeing countries get involved, right? You know, yeah. nation states all of a sudden getting on, on board with this. So I, I got to, I'd be honest, when the latest Windows 11 updates came out and they said, hey, we've got these new and approved icons and and these features, I'm like, yeah, but what about ransomware, folks? <laughs> so I, I'm hopeful we find a way to stop this from happening because this is just brutal and it's taking down so many organizations out there. And it's supporting bad guys out there. We're, we're paying a lot of money. Something like $10 billion in 2021 was spent in ransomware. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, exfiltration of data is part of it now. So it happened to the University of Utah here in Salt Lake City. They got hit with ransomware. They did everything correctly. They had backups. They did it all right. Yeah. But the attackers were able to prove that they had student data. So they ended up paying them so the student data wouldn't get put out there on the internet for someone else to buy. Yeah, it's amazing how many times they'll just pay for it. Um, and then still move. Like, no, there's there's a lesson to be learned every time something like this happens. So when a breach impacts, you know, there's an impact to it. There's analysis behind it. I'm sure that there's security individuals, professionals within the organization that's asking for things. But then again, it doesn't always mean they're going to get it. So um, it just seems like the, the practicality behind the importance, it, we're getting, we're moving more in the limelight when it comes to cybersecurity and the need for it, especially in the, you know, in the IT world. So you would think that they would, they would keep focused on it. And like I said, it comes back to money a lot of times. It's odd to say, but there's effective means in a way we can do that. Like I said, stair step into it. Uh, you know, get get an analysis and then figure out how to gradually support what you need to to protect your data. So, yeah, yeah. For those who aren't familiar with it, like what, what Tim's talking about is risk analysis, right? We want to create a, a big template, a big uh, matrix of all the things we're going to be concerned about, yep. the, the likelihood of those happening, and the impact if it does. And then we'll start working rather than just kind of randomly poking at these things we want to address. Let's let's deal with these things in risk order. So that we're attacking the things that are most vulnerable, most uh, susceptible first, and then working our way down that list. 
Yeah, usually you prioritize, right? And it's, it's not business needs. It's risk value for data protection, protection of information, protection of system. So your focus is different when it comes to that. And uh, when it comes to business postures, um, you got to relate that to business objectives a lot of times. So naturally, uh, individuals that are going to be involved are going to be the ones who can sign the dotted line to promote the funds to do exactly what you're asking to imply into the system. So uh, all those are stakeholders and you're trying to do you use your case analysis. It can get pretty lengthy, right? I mean, with small businesses, probably not so much, but bigger businesses, we get into a lot of the dynamics and you get a lot more, um, you get a lot more individuals that do the signing part. So, and there's a lot of debating going on some days. So you can get those things that impact you too. Um, and the other relation is uh, when the, when the cybersecurity, top cybersecurity persons under the CAO, usually that's a conflict of interest, truly. Because think about the CIO, they're they're all about uptime, right? Mean time for up. And cybersecurity is always potentially asking them to try to harden the system. So what happens there? They're, they're conflicting with each other, basically one yeah. against the other. So we always, like you said, the posture of um, trying to balance that, right? So, and that's always, always a given. It's an always given flux, give and take, give and take, give and take. So yeah, lots of interesting things. And I think with cybersecurity, uh, and maybe you can elaborate a little more on this is, um, you know, the aspects of what comes out of cybersecurity. I mean, when you harden a system, it's, I know we talk about money and cost and, and we talk about the inability to use something, but there's a positive measure to these things too, right? So, I mean, the protection of data, uh, loss of data, never getting that data back, use of data against you, those types of things were down the road now, they've created profiles, that type of measure to get into your stuff and just the feeling of loss itself. So, I mean, is there any anything out there that you think that hits you more when it comes to type of, uh, you know, how how cybersecurity, when it's implied and doing its job, I mean, what are the things you really can promote within a system? you see anything? Well, I'll, there's, you know, you mentioned a little bit the, the emotions involved in this, right? That feeling of loss. And the opposite side is true. I'll never forget, we did a bunch of work for this large organization here in Salt Lake, and the CFO uh, came to us one day, I was meeting with him and I said, you know, so what's going well? And he said, I'll tell you what, I get to sleep at night now. I'm not sitting here awake, stressed all night, worrying about when is the next time we're going to get hit by ransomware. I feel safe and secure and I can sleep at night. And that is priceless. Yeah, I think so. I think the stress values. And I've seen, I was real good friends with a vice president in uh, Lockheed Martin for a long time. Uh, they did the financials on their end on some of their companies. Uh, he's since passed away uh, last year, year before last, but uh, he had cancer. But um, he'd say the same thing. He'd be up at 2 a.m. in the morning and he couldn't get himself to go to sleep. Um, so essentially some of these parts that we were talking about cybersecurity wise, implying that he was essentially relieved of it. I mean, and, and you could kind of see it in his face. So I can only imagine, you know, with uh, with the chief, uh, the C-suite out there, kind of what they think at night to, to support all the things they've got to manage. Um, and how that works for them organically in their companies and just how cybersecurity really relieves the th that type of stress for them. Uh, yep. Data being secure and really being able to sit to the plate, give yourself certifications, put that out there on the front of your uh, company, say we are certified in this um, and really feel good about if, if we were going to get hit, that we would be protected. So yeah, emotions, I know there's connections to the emotions and those types of things. Um, you know, especially when it comes to your companies trying to make them prosper. So, um, well, thanks, James, for coming on and, and uh, talk to us about small business and cybersecurity. Um, and um, 
did you want to put a plug in there somewhere for your <laughs> for your business, sir? Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so we are an IT outsource firm. Yeah. Uh, we do uh, cybersecurity, IT support, and cloud services. Uh, and we are really about being people first. So our team is made up of like down to earth IT people that are friendly and personable and really dedicated to your company's success. Uh, you can reach us at executech.com forward slash cast. So E-X-E-C-U-T-E-C-H.com forward slash C-A-S-T. All right. Thanks, James, for coming on. So, My pleasure, Tim. Yeah. That's it for Cyber uh, New Cyber Frontier, this edition. Uh, we hope you enjoy and uh, hope you're, uh, you're trending good things for cybersecurity out there. Be safe out there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.